I just want to say how good it is to see you and how much I wish that I could be sitting in your study with you. I know, I know. We're all getting starved for human touch and affection for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm extra needy with the hugs and stuff right now. Like the hand, the handyman's just trying to make dinner and I'm inserting myself in between him and the cutting board. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, but he doesn't think so. He's worried he's going to accidentally stab me instead of hugging me. Oh, well, see, I'm the opposite. My husband's the huggy, cuddly one, and I'm the one that's like, get away from me. I can't breathe. Move to your side of the bed now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, the handyman is a long, skinny beanpole. He sure is. Sometimes I don't even know he's over there in the bed. (laughs) It's just like this ridge. It's all those buckets of water he's been lifting out in the backyard. Doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. (laughs) You saw that on uh, Instagram or Facebook, right? Yes. Homemade homemade weightlifting. I think it was genius. (laughs) It's genius. And he's really gotten into it. He's replaced, you know, he's, he's using these, I don't know, five or 10 gallon paint buckets and then putting bricks in them and water. And now it's, he's substituted sand for the water because that makes them easier to control. Wow. um, Yeah. Welcome to the mocktail hour for the sober curious and the alcohol free as fuck. That's right. I'm (laughs) Cynthia. I'm Sunny, and we're your host today. That's right. We are your host today, and we're coming to you sober from the San Francisco Bay Area. We are. We weren't always sober. For me, it's been about a year and a half, and it's gotten to the point where it feels kind of normal. Like, at first, it used to feel a little strange, like I would forget that I didn't drink anymore. Hmm. Not that I would be reaching for a beer, but I would think, I don't know, I'd just suddenly be slapped with the realization that I quit alcohol. And you weren't craving it? No. Mm-mm. Wow. No. I didn't have a lot of cravings and I really wasn't tempted and I'm I'm grateful for that. One of my coping mechanisms was to decide that for me, it just doesn't exist. Right. Oh, like there is no such thing. It's just not on, not on offer. Yeah. And if it doesn't exist, then I can't consume it. Wow. That's a good one. Uh, Yeah. I, I noticed, I just, uh, slowly started to forget about it too. Not much of a craving at all anymore. I just don't even doesn't even cross my mind, even when I'm super stressed out. I mean, I think I've had once or twice where I've said, boy, uh, whiskey sour would be nice right about now. But right on the heels of that comes 
the realization that no, it really wouldn't be nice. And, and I can just move on to the next thing, which might be taking a walk around the block or stopping to have a few breaths or Mm -hmm. maybe having a glass of water. One of my sober friends from long ago had said, you know, you ought to just ask yourself what you're thirsty for. Maybe it's just a glass of water. Uh That's a good one. Now I'm getting thirsty. I need to get myself a cool drink. I know. Well, we're, we're seeing each other on video, although we're in different places. And um, I am displaying this gorgeous glass of water that I'm sipping. Mm. Mm. I made sun tea out in the yard yesterday, like my grandma used to make. <gasps> I love sun so tea. Good. Yeah, I put a couple of mint tea bags in it and it was strong. It actually gave me the jitters. I had to stop drinking it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, that's tea, you know, enough of that. And you can, it'll keep you up. That was my wild afternoon whooping it up with some sun tea. <laughs> did you put anything with it to make it interesting? I did like half black tea, half mint. And then I, I cheated and put some white sugar in it. It's a little white devil. <laughs> but why is that cheating? I don't know. You know, my mom raised me with, you know, the white devil was the sugar in our house. So <laughs> we never, I never had sugar growing up. So it's, mm-hmm. it's always been a no, no. Oh, it was the opposite for me. Cause I'm a little bit older than you. Like I learned at an early age, how to measure out, I think it was two cups of sugar that went in with the Kool-Aid packet wow. into the, into the half gallon container, fill with water, stir, Delicious. Yeah, no. I mean, I was a Kool-Aid kid too. I saw the ads on TV. Was so jealous. The guy running through the big wall. <laughs> what was the slogan? It I was don't like, know. I, I'm here or something. I'll have to Google it. <laughs> I let that's it's a pretty lame slogan. I'm here. Right. <laughs> Somebody's gonna listen to this and go, geez, everyone knows that slogan. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> it's Kool-Aid. I mean, they had Kool-Aid back in the days was, it was just that flavor packet. And then you added your own white sugar. Yeah. And, but then later on, they came up with something that they called pre-sweetened, pre-sweetened. And that meant that they, it was a bigger container, a bigger packet that had the sugar in it already. That you could just tear it open and like, um, oh, just sprinkle like, it like on your tongue. Exactly. Lick a sticks. I loved those. Okay, so the Kool-Aid man burst through the walls of children's homes and said, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it really actually not... isn't that fancy. <laughs> it's not that much better than I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Hi, guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Was he, did he, I wonder how he said it with the kind of. It was like, it was like a deep, oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll have to send you a video. Those were legendary ads. And I think that's what like got everyone on Kool-Aid was the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. And then, then later on, on Kool-Aid mixed with pop-off vodka, you know, because this have a nice cocktail and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never. I mean, Kool-Aid was the devil's drink in my day, but I had it at friends' houses and summer camp and stuff. It was like the champagne of drinks. Well, 
for us, it was, um, we, we couldn't have sodas. We couldn't have canned Coke or even Pepsi and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But so like we couldn't drink 12 ounces of sugar in a Coke, but we could have 12 ounces of sugar in a Kool-Aid. Yeah. Somehow you could pass on the Kool-Aid like Tang. But, you know, as a new mother, I was kind of in the vein of your mom in that I was very nervous about sugar and stuff like that. And I remember my my oldest son, until he was about two, he thought that cookies were those rice crackers, those plain rice crackers. Oh, poor baby. That <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> it's called child, called child Protective Services on that one. Yeah. I hope people saw you giving him those in public and judged you. <laughs> I'm sure oh, that, that they... poor child. Oh, I know that they judged me heavily about a lot of things. Um, another thing that we didn't believe in as parents was the world of Disney and Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to that. But we took the kids down to Los Angeles to visit some relatives and to go to the Getty Museum that had just opened. And mm. everywhere we would go, we'd run into people who would say, oh, are you going to Disneyland? And we'd be like, no we're going to the Getty Museum. And they would look at us like, you worthless piece of shit parents, not taking <laughs> your kids to Disneyland. <laughs> you, yeah, we were the same. Adrian hates theme parks with a passion. So we, we actually only went to Disneyland once and that's because my dad wanted to take us. But we got out of, I mean, my biggest thrill with escaping young parenthood was the Disney on ice thing. My kids never caught wind of that. Somehow I never had to torture myself with Disney on ice. <laughs> I would have stuck pencils in my eyes. I would have literally paid somebody to take my kids if they wanted to go to that. There's no way. Well, that that's how I felt about, I didn't have to encounter Disney on ice myself, but I did have to go see the Nutcracker and sit through the second act at least twice. And I would have gladly stuck pencils just about anywhere on my body um, <laughs> to get out of that. You know, that those long pas de deux, is that what they call them? The, the I, duets I can't, in the second. Yes. Oh, God, just shoot me. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but you had a good week. You did some cherry picking. I, I had a, a little bit more of a disastrous week. Another episode with my daughter that was a little traumatic, but tell me, Oh, she was walking back from the beach and she no normally doesn't walk by herself. And a gentleman stopped her and asked her if he could take a photo of her feet. What? Yes. Her feet. A gentleman, a gentleman stopped her and asked if he could take a a man old, old enough to know better, but you know, my daughter is almost five ten. You know, she's she doesn't. Only, she's, she's only like 15, fifteen years old. Oh, she's geez. very naive. She's she is a genuine naive fifteen year old girl, and she's also like me. She's overly friendly, <laughs> mm -hmm. and she said, "Oh well, sure. You know, I guess you know." She thought he liked her shoes. Oh. Oh. So she thought, oh, he, he likes my sandals. He wants a picture of my sandal. 
<laughs> and then he said, oh, well, do you mind taking your shoes off? And uh-huh. took a close-up picture. And then, then at the very end said, can I smell your foot? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. And how did she react? I mean... Uh, you know what? what? She, she must have known something was up then. She didn't because she ended up walking away. The guy was harmless. And, and you know, I, I know that fetishes are fetishes and whatever. But the guy didn't think to ask how old she was. And mm-hmm. he had a face. He had an Instagram page of all feet. You know, like a feet pervert Instagram page. Oh, and so luckily she got the guy's Instagram page. So I was able to contact him. <laughs> she said, I'd like to see my feet on your Instagram feed. Like, well, he had posted I mean, it. So I went up, I went up there and I uh, saw her feet on there and I wrote him and I'm like, listen, I don't know who you think you're talking about, but this is a 15 year old girl and you need to remove these photos right away or I'm calling the cops. And he wrote back right away, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Please accept my sincerest apologies. La, 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 whatever. Uh, uh, that makes me feel a little bit queasy. Yeah. and But the worst part was is that it was her first heartbreak of moving from a child to a woman. So it was her first pervert incident like that. Very first. Yes. Gross. And she didn't realize it until she got back and she looked at the page and she says, mom, it's all feet. I said, honey, this is, this is called a sexual fetish. You know, this isn't just a fun Mm. page about feet. And I explained to her (laughs) what that was and, and then she just horrifying. Yeah. And I, I just was mad. I mean, we all have those moments where our childhood is just gone forever after that. It's like, thanks, asshole. You know, you rip it away forever and it's gone. <sighs> oh, one more thing for a mother to yeah. think about with her teenagers. I mean, that's that's gotta be I mean, after that you definitely want to knock back a couple glasses of wine. You know, just to cover. Completely. You didn't. You didn't. No, no. And I I just, it broke my heart watching her cry and be so embarrassed. And the worst part was, as with most incidents like this, your initial reaction is that it's your fault. She thought it was her fault. Mm -hmm. She says, Mom, it's my fault. I said, No, it's not. It's this dipshit who. Is wandering around during a pandemic, you know, trying to take pictures of people's feet. Like, you know, it's my fault for having feet. Right. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know the guy was hard. You know, I I don't know for a fact the guy was harmless. But the next day I did file a police report just in case, you know, he's got kitty porn on his computer or whatever. I don't I didn't want to take any risks. Yeah. So. I'm sorry that she had to go through that. Um, I know, my baby. Things are kind of weird enough. Things are very weird and anxious right now. And so many people are turning to drinking right now Mm -hmm. to take the pressure off. And I know that whenever I used to go through troubling times, I have a big layer of anxiety underneath everything Mm -hmm. in my life. 
Yeah. And um, one of the main things that I was using alcohol for was just trying to tap down that anxiety. Yeah. Trying to balance everything and keep that perfectionism going. Yeah. So trying to keep control over everything. And Mm -hmm. now instead I have to just face that feeling. Mm -hmm. And usually what it means is that I just need to be quiet and not try to shift out of whatever that feeling of anxiety is. Yeah. And it's okay. I don't have to turn it from anxiety into a party. Interesting. It's okay for things to be kind of ordinary. And I think that's one of the challenges with alcohol dependency or trying to be sober is managing anxiety, depression, perfectionism. These are things that all of us women have a tendency toward. I don't know. I know. You know, it's so funny, Cynthia. I don't really relate to the word perfectionism. I'm a little bit of a half-asser to tell you the (laughs) truth. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I try and do as little as possible in life. You know, we have enough on our plates with children and uh, perfectionism is never something that I would tack on to how I would describe myself. If I'm being creative, I'll do the best I can to be perfect, but I'm not going to freak out if I burn a casserole or, you know, yeah. get a kid to yeah. school on late or whatnot. It's too stressful to be perfect. Yeah. Well, it's good for me to know that about you while we're doing this show. You know, I know. What I can, I, at least I can depend on a half-ass uh, response. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the perfectionism part, okay? Oh, perfect. I'm glad. <laughs> but... Well, what about anxiety, though? How about anxiety or depression? You know, I think we talked about this in a past episode. Like, I anxiety is not a normal feeling for me at all. And I only really got a bad dose of it in the beginning of the pandemic. And it's because I wasn't cognitively thinking about it. I was just kind of stuffing it down in my throat and having it manifest in my body in a way that, you know, is having these pounding chest, staring at the ceiling at night with this pounding in my chest. And I just, I was like, what the heck is that? (laughs) That's just like an ordinary day for a lot of us, you know. I know, but I, uh, you know, I live in a constant state of trying to stave off any kind of real stress and anxiety. I, I like to have it easy. Yeah. The anxiety of the pandemic just kind of settled in my body in a way. Well, I think probably you're you're used to maintaining, like staying within yourself and being relaxed and in the moment and making choices that make you feel at ease. Mm-hmm. Then you have something come along like coronavirus and it, it turns everything on on its ear. Yeah, it speaks to my control. I mean, I definitely have control issues for sure. And you just can't control this mess at all. So, well, I think that, I mean, control freakiness was one of the things that I suffered from and I still suffer from. And I think that the things I just named, anxiety and control, can kind of go hand in hand, like trying Mm -hmm. to be perfect 
trying to be perfect as a way to manage it so that you nothing's out of control so you don't have to feel anxious. The problem is oh. is that that tends to backfire, right? Yeah. But alcohol is always a great lubricant to keep those gears kind of moving, right? In the right direction to keep every keep the lid on everything. Yeah. You know, you think, okay, I can shift the way I feel now. It'll just help me move on down the line. Yeah. I'm going to, I don't, oh, I have to tell you, I saw, I watched a movie the other night called Beanpole. Have you seen this movie? No. I, you know what? I think I saw that you posted it. It's Swedish or something, right? It's Russian. Oh. And oh my God. If ever there were two women who had an excuse to drink, this, <laughs> this was them. Like it's set in post-World War II. They are in Leningrad. You know, Leningrad is where there was a big siege during World War II. Mm-hmm. The Germans basically starved. Decimated. Yeah. Just yeah. horrible. You know, people ate all the dogs. I think a million people died um, Lord. from that. And so here are these two, uh, two gals <laughs> who have um, not only made it through the war, but also fought in the war. And, you know, they're dealing with shrapnel and euthanasia, and the death of children and, and kind of working toward healing. But what I found interesting was that it's one of those movies a rare movie where they weren't reaching for alcohol. Like life was shit and there was plenty of vodka around, but I never saw them just pour a big glass of vodka to get through the next little bit. That was kind of cool. I I mean, it's, it's evolved. (laughs) I think it's generational. I know that like my mom's generation, they drank a lot, but not raising children. They just partied a lot, drank a lot out. Yeah, But I mean, there's all that stuff about the 50s housewife and the Xanax and mother's little helper. And I think anyone that grows up with that mom is going to mirror that behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So it just definitely. So maybe the, the 40s ladies were the last of the generation that didn't cope with alcohol. Yeah, I think there were more men who were coping with alcohol maybe back then using it to get through their day. Like Mm -hmm. I read this Irish proverb recently that said something like, if you're sick or you're sad, drink and all your troubles will go away. I'm paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's been drummed into us for many years and generations, but I think it's only in the last 10 to 20 years that it's become such a big thing for women in particular to drink get shit-faced like yeah chopping the vegetables and have that glass of wine next to you every night it's it's, it goes hand in hand I mean there is nothing so unattractive as a really drunken girl like here at Dolores Park where people throng for to get loaded at what they call the beach the gay beach yeah i mean i've seen so many young women staggering home or staggering somewhere Mm -hmm. throwing up on the sidewalk vomiting on themselves completely blotto wandering into the street it's it's really too bad uh Um, yeah i mean you just have to wonder if they grow out of that 
Or if they don't, I mean, some do. Some are like, ah, those were my crazy 20s days. And, you know, I'm more responsible now. You have kids. But I guess some people's brains don't grow out of that. No. Well, and there's a lot of sad stories about that. Well, shall we have our mocktail today? Yes. You're you're in charge, right? What's it going to be? Oh, it's, it's really, I stumbled upon this. I made it up myself. I'm sure that plenty of other people have made up the same drink, but my, my husband, my my (laughs) husband, that's too funny. He has access to this um, beautiful Meyer lemon tree. And he brought me like a bushel, a suitcase of of Meyer lemons. And um, so I made something that I'm calling a pink Meyer and um, mm. I'm going to show you here. I take two jiggers of seed lip spice 94. Mm. Um, seed lip is that fake alcohol. It tastes kind of like gin. Derby, yeah. Yeah. So here's two, two jiggers of seed lip. Mm-hmm. And I've already juiced. I'm just pouring in the juice from a large Meyer lemon. These are like the size of oranges, the ones that I have. Yeah. So you want to use two small ones if you don't have a big one. And a tablespoon of sour cherry syrup. And now I'm just going to stir it. I'm going to add ice. You got any soda in there? This sounds puckery. Oh, yeah. I think that here, hang on. <laughs> okay, I'm just topping it off with soda. And now I'm toasting you. Sunny from across the bay. Let's Yum. see. Mm. Mm, refreshing. And it's a really hot day today, so it's especially nice. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm going to go get me some sun tea after this. Tell me, Sunny, do you have a story today? Can we hear your story? You know what? I don't, you know, my story was really mostly about you know, my daughter's running with the foot sniffer. I, I honestly. <laughs> you just wanted to tell that footy story. I Ugh. did. I did. And I also, you know, on the topic of perfectionism, like I said, like I don't live in a world of, of like trying to juggle everything and be perfect. So, okay. you know, like my coping mechanisms, you know, aren't that triggered because I don't, Stress. I don't sweat the small stuff, man. I'm like, take it every day as it comes. Oh my God. So you know that I'm like, I'm judging you because I'm, I'm judging myself and I'm judging you now because of your non-perfectionist, your non-perfectionist tendencies. I'm like, what's (laughs) wrong with her? I know. I just, you know, I try and just make people happy. That's kind of, I have an idea that I came onto this earth just to make people laugh and be happy. Well, I think you're, you're doing a good job. If I can do that and keep my family alive, you know, it's been a good week. Well, and you have the perfect name and last name for it. I mean, yes, I called Southwest today to reschedule some flights. And she was like, Sunny, Sunny Mary. That's, that's me, you know, so, you know, the Southwest people are always so nice. Yeah, my name, my name definitely goes a long way for sure. Yeah, well, it suits you to a T, yeah. to a sun As far as a story, you know, coping and perfectionism, nah, I, I had such a gradual, 
release from drinking that, you know, over the course of five years, I drank less and less and less until I just didn't have a taste for it anymore. So, Mm. I mean, I don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind anymore to go, wow, I love a drink. Although I do love to sniff people's drinks. I'm, I'm totally a cocktail (laughs) sniffer. I'm like the foot sniffer. I know. I'm a drink sniffer. So if, if, my husband will make a drink. I'll be like, ooh, send that over for sniff. I want to sniff that. <laughs> you know, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I love, especially if there's whiskey involved. I love yes. the smell of, um, you know, bourbon or scotch mixed with something in a glass. I think it's Oh, yeah. It's totally lovely. the smell of like hunky men, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, yes. I affairs. Yeah, hunky men. I, you got to add in a little bo. Ooh, m- maybe some faint trace of a cigar or, or something. <laughs> um, definitely a whisker smell. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Is this kind of this kind soapy. of soapy. Yeah, the soapy, whiskery smell that you get when you are right up against somebody's cheek. It's nice. Anyway, I guess you have oh, to love wow. men. You have to love men to love that, right? How cool. I do have a question for you. How many, I don't know much about foot fetishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many people who work at, at shoe stores have that as an issue. You well, you know what that? I did? I Googled like the top fetishes and apparently mm-hmm. feet is like number three. Ooh. So it's a really, really common fetish for a lot of people really, really common as far as, you know, in the, in the scheme of things, but boy, the list is long, but feet are on the top list for sure. Was there one on the list that you hadn't heard of before? Um, not that I recall. I think armpits were high up on the list too. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't mind an armpit. I'm always... Kind of staring at my husband's armpits, actually. Here, I you can see mine. Oh, baby, <laughs> flash me. There's a name for that. I read it recently. I was reading some book, and the author, some book, and the author has a lot of, of kind of old-fashioned words. And I'm reading it on my iPad, so I'm able to check on the definition of things. So I've been looking up these terms and the one for armpit was really fascinating. Mm. I will, I will go see if I can find it for the show notes. Yeah. Well, we do have the Kool-Aid one sorted. What's your story? Oh man. Now I feel kind of bad about telling my story because, because you didn't have one. (laughs) I do. Now I have to tell my own. Okay. So anyway, yeah. Perfectionism. Nothing like a holiday to turn up the volume on one's perfectionist tendencies. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one that's really memorable to me was it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. And um, my oldest son was in his first year. I was still nursing and I wasn't drinking. Wait, you nursed your son over 12 months? Yeah, until he was a little o- older than one. Yes. Golly, that's brave. Oh, I don't think so. That's, I mean, I think that was about right. I know people who are like nursing their kids until, you know, they're, the kids are old enough that they can say, look, 
Luke, go over and play with your, no, you know, your PlayStation, right? No, thank you. That's that's, cut the cord, cut the apron strings, (laughs) man. Well, I stopped, I think he was about one, but, um, so I have my husband at that time, my husband, his large Irish family over and, um, there was nothing like motherhood to kind of crank up the volume on my perfectionism, right? Because I'm supposed to be the perfect mom, perfect hostess. And you had to cook too? Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) So believe me, I'm, everybody said, what can we bring? We're happy to just give us an assignment or I'm we'll bring a pie, but no, 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 no. I had to do it all myself and it had to be perfect. It had to be fantastic. So people would try to help and I'd say, oh no, I'm fine. Right. And they would go back in the living room and watch football. Mm-hmm. And so they're all in there having a great time hanging out, maybe even playing with the baby, right? Like enjoying the child. And then I would just every now and then go change his diaper and nurse him while something would be boiling on the stove. Oh, good. And I would be in the, the little nursing area, just seething, just mm-hmm. seething with resentment about these people who are hanging out in my house, enjoying themselves for crying out loud while I'm working so hard in the kitchen. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that I was being a bitch, right? Yeah. It never occurred to me that, that you were like steaming around with a resting bitch face. Yeah, that I that it was me, right? That I had was so attached to the being this perfect mom and hostess that I couldn't accept any help. Mm-hmm. And I therefore excluded them and alienated them and also made myself really lonely and miserable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so as soon as I was done nursing and I could start drinking in these cases, then that continued. Only now I had this fuel to mm-hmm. help me power through. Some right? lube. Like I'd be back there, you know, starting with the Bloody Mary when I'm getting the turkey ready to put in the oven. Mm-hmm. And then working my way up, what do they say? You start, like you start with the harder liquor and then work your way to something lighter. So by the time that my son was past a year, I was ready to go to parties. Like I would show up with a lampshade on my head, Ooh. ready to go, right? Oh. They're right on time <laughs> at seven, drunk and ready to go home and let the babysitter go by nine. Yeah. Pack it in. So, yeah, that's my story. I finally began to understand what I was doing, why these family gatherings were so horrible. And I changed my ways, you know. You asked for help? Well, I decided it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, who cares what the food's like? Jeez, I'd be dialing Whole Foods for delivery. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I made this turkey. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) take all the credit (laughs) exactly i mean turkey can only be so good right i don't care how many bon appetit 
magazines you collect and save recipes for. Oh my God, my favorite is the Christmas vacation turkey where they, they cut into it and it explodes into a big poof of gas. That's the best ever. What's that? The Chevy Chase Christmas vacation movie that you should watch oh, every right. Christmas where he's <laughs> like, oh, look at this turkey. It looks delicious. Thank you for all your hard work. And he cuts into it and it just explodes in a big gas bubble. <laughs> And she was like, I think I put it on for too long. <laughs> All right. I have to best. watch that. I, I need a new Christmas movie. Oh, it's the best. We watch it every year, like on the same day every year, getting ready for Christmas. You know, there's this other there's this other um, obscure Christmas movie that's a tradition that people watch in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I forget what it's called. I think it's called Dinner for Six or Dinner for Five. And it's basically about this elderly woman and her butler. Mm. And and she has her deceased imaginary friends at the table. And the butler is going along with this ruse. Like she's imagining that her dead friends are there. And he and he goes around and pours wine and champagne and and liqueur and everything in their glasses. But he, he also toasts for each of the dead guests until the (laughs) point that he's just totally shit faced. Right. Uh, I love it. And it's a, it's very funny, but of course it's making fun of a very sad (laughs) situation. Delusional old lady. A a delusional old lady and a total Alki butler Mm. working for her. So. Wow. Anyway. So, um, Anxiety and perfectionism are a big problem for lots of people, lots of Mm -hmm. women, especially, and alcohol doesn't help with that. There are other ways to get help. Mm -hmm. And, or maybe you're lucky like Sunny Mary and you have (laughs) such a sunny disposition. I don't worry about shit. I tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's my dad's side of the family coming through. We just like, you know, take it as it comes. I love it. I had to work hard to incorporate aspects of that into my psyche. You know, yeah. I had to really actively work on that. Wow. I know. I know a lot of people struggle with uh, feeling anxious. And it's like I said, it's not something that, that I can access very often. But this pandemic has sure, sure made me struggle. Yeah. yeah. You've, got a, you've got a book you've been reading, right? Oh, I read this this book, yeah, recently by Anne Dossett Johnston called Drink, the Intimate Relationship Ship. <laughs> the Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. It was a real eye-opener because it was sort of like I thought like it was like why it would be like having a pink razor instead of a black one. Oh, like why do women need a book about drinking? That's just about them. But there are a lot of ways in which women are affected differently. Yeah, we have different brains. And I think it's more about escaping, right? Rather than letting off steam. Yeah, I mean, men, I think, tend to drink more to be sociable and to lubricate the you know, a kind of bonding social muscle. But for women, it's about escaping from feeling lonely, feeling anxious. It's kind of comforting and numbing. Yes, that makes sense. I can latch onto that for sure. 
actually, I didn't read it recently. I read it before I got sober. Mm. And it made me start thinking a little bit about the reasons that I was using so much alcohol. Oh, wow. How cool. I didn't know you had some reading before you actually made the jump. Oh, yeah. I, oh, shit. I, I thought about it a long time. In fact, the thinking about it was one of the things that led me to stop. Oh. My dear friend, Jamie, said, you know, if you quit once and for all, then you don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to count. You don't have to count how many drinks you had. You don't have to make promises to yourself or goals or use your willpower. You just quit. Yeah. I thought, wow. It's like a a concept solution to the problem. It's like a finality. How cool. Yeah. A beautiful finale. Uh, (sighs) Well, you know what? We'll conclude with welcoming your mocktails or mocktails and questions. You can email us on our website. We have Instagram at the Mocktail Hour and our Facebook group is Mocktail Hour. Just tell your friends about us. Uh, Like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. We'd love to have you have your feedback. Yeah, and we're um, we're starting to think about season two, which is going to have a slightly new format involving guests. We're going to have guests oh, on boy. our show. Love guests. Yeah, so we got to come up with some good questions for them. All right. Pithy, pithy. All right, All right my, I'm hot as hell and I need a drink. Something <laughs> non-alcoholic. Yay. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank Bye. you. Bye.